Please, oh, please take a seat. <clears throat> I want to ask a question of you all this morning. What vantage point do you take when facing challenging situations? So when you're facing something that's really challenging, how do you think about it? Think for a moment about the greatest challenge each of you are facing. There will be a vast myriad of challenges here, I'm sure. What's the greatest challenge individually, personally, that you are facing? Is it with a relationship? Is it with money? Is it with your health? Is it with the church? Is it with God? Is it with a conflict? Is it with your future? And think just for a moment, how are you thinking about that challenge as you think about it? And this won't be the first time you've ever thought about it. As you think about it, how are you thinking about that challenge? Where is Jesus in your thinking about that challenge? What do you most fear about that challenge? What are you most hoping in with that challenge? I had a situation a few weeks ago where I encountered quite a significant challenge. I was invited into a particular situation that I immediately became very anxious about. I was very worried about, very concerned. I felt vulnerable. I wasn't sure what to do, how it was going to go. I didn't know what the agenda was that was happening. And so I was quite stirred up. And I was also disappointed that I was quite stirred up. Do you ever get that? You're like, oh, I should be better than this, but I'm not. And I was praying about it and I was leaning into it and I said, God, I need a new framework to work this out, to look at this. And, and as clear as day, I felt God give me three words. Three words just dropped into my lap. I was journaling at the time and I just, they're not three words that I'd ever thought of before in that conjunction or anything like that. And the moment I read those three words, utter peace came and anxiety left. And it stayed left, like even now. And that situation is long gone. Through the words of God, my challenge was transformed into an opportunity. There was nothing I did. It wasn't that I managed to change my mind about it. It was that God spoke and shifted the situation that was in me. It didn't change anything external about the situation but it changed what I felt was an enormous challenge into an incredible opportunity. When we abandon ourselves to God's grace, God transforms our challenges into opportunities. And that's exactly what happened to Mary. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. It's why we light our Advent candle. It's why we get to sing Christmas carols in church. Amen to that. Come on, so good. And so today we're embarking on the nativity story and we pick up with Mary. It's thought that she was as young as 14 years old when she heard the news she was going to be pregnant with Jesus. 14 years old. Pledged to be married to a man who was righteous, a man who was known in the community. It would have been an arranged marriage. And when she was married, she knew that she, her life now belonged to her husband. That what her husband decided would happen, would happen. And where the husband decided she would go, she would go. That's how it was back then. Just think for a moment, how many 14-year-olds do you know that would be thrilled with that prospect? 
wow, talk about stressful. Now, it was part of a culture. It was part of what was accepted, except there would have been a great deal of challenge, of anxiety, of angst in Mary as this got closer and closer and closer. What vantage point do you think Mary took? I mean, most of you know the story. What vantage point did she take? Would it have seemed, at this point in the story, the angel hasn't turned up yet, would it have seemed like a huge challenge or a great opportunity? Because then the angel does turn up and things shift ever so slightly, like the destiny of the world changes when the angel turns up. Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. <laughs> great. I've never seen an angel before in my life. I'm a 14-year-old girl and there's an angel there. Mary, do not be afraid. The angel says, do not be afraid. You have found favour with God. And I wonder if the little voice inside her says, oh, great. <laughs> I'd rather just not be in this situation at all. You will conceive. You will give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. Okay. Gee, that's a bit full on, but okay. Ah, the angel says, he will be great. He will be called Son of the Most High God. You know, the Messiah, all your people have been waiting for. <laughs> You're going to be the, the carrier of the Messiah. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and ever. His kingdom will never end. Do you see the gravity of what's taking place for Mary? Like the stakes have gone through the roof. The implications for Mary. Put yourself in Mary's head just for a moment. <laughs> what vantage point do you think Mary adopts when looking at the challenging situation now? There's a few, few imposing factors on top of what she was already facing. I mean, now she's going to have a baby <laughs> out of wedlock <laughs> to the Holy Spirit. What? And the baby is going to be the saviour of the world. Now, I have the privilege of talking with first-time mums-to-be from time to time. And most of them have the same anxiety. Am I going to be a good mum? My dads are the same. Am I going to be able to do this thing that I'm now in the midst of? You imagine if that was you, only your baby was the son of God. You're like the mother of God now. I mean, questions like, do you let him eat the goldfish? bit more serious now, right? Do you let him climb up the palm tree? No, I don't know. Do you let him eat that worm? Do you let him play with water? Because we know what happens later on when Jesus plays with water. Do you, do you take him to a hospital? Is that complete bedlam that's going to be unleashed? The pressure was on for Mary. Now, we know how it goes. We know how the story goes. We know that for Mary... God's words transform this challenge into an incredible opportunity. And not just for her, for the whole world. For the whole world. The decision that Mary makes as she responds to the angel is a decision that affects the eternities of us, of the future lives that were to take place, of whether Jesus hangs on the cross or not. How she handled this decision, this challenge, really matters. 
but it's the same for us. How we handle the challenges that confront us, it really does matter. Because it becomes a story of salvation and hope and faith in God. Or it takes us away from Jesus and it burdens us and pulls us apart. See, it's not just our salvation that we're working out when we come against these challenges. It's the salvation of all those God has put us in the path of. The challenges we all face and we cannot escape them. I know each one of us are filled with lives and different challenges. We can't do anything about escaping them, but we can do everything about how we think about them and how we engage in them. So listen to Mary's response, because Mary's response is everything in helping us move to this place. She says, after hearing that news, the next verse, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled in me. And the angel left her. The angel was clearly more than satisfied that she'd nailed it. She completely abandons herself to the grace of God. Completely and utterly. Listening and accepting God's words, they transform our challenges into opportunities. God's words gave Mary the confidence to abandon herself to the grace of God. Now, this last week, Powder Change, you guys have been involved in challenges that many of us go, what? Street evangelism at schoolies. Like, it doesn't get much more challenging than that. You can go overseas and do mission. It's not as challenging as what you guys have been doing this past week. Where you go out in teams and you follow the Spirit's leading and you prayerfully bring this before God and you find people that you feel God is leading to you and you start conversations and you talk to them about the saving power of Jesus and the power of the gospel and hope and pray that they would respond to the love of God. To do this, you can only embrace what Mary did. I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. It's the only way you can approach those challenges. And as you do, the challenges turn into opportunities, right? They don't look as fierce. They look more exciting. You abandon yourself to the grace of God. And so I thought this morning it would be wonderful to hear from a few of those stories that have unfolded this week. I know there's a couple of you guys, I think, Lewis and Paul, yes, and uh, maybe even Joseph. Three from three, come on. Who wants to go first? Would you welcome our testimony givers? You're up first. Yep. They all walk very slow, so you're on. Sorry. A bit of a strategizing there. Um, so it was on Tuesday, was it? Yes. It was on Tuesday. Um, there was a second night out um, going to schoolies. And we started off the night um, a bit more difficult. Um, we had a few initiations, so that means that we went up to a few people and we said, Hi, how are you doing? Um, and we sort of tried to start a conversation, but most, um, up to that point, they were pretty not interested. Um, 
But then we kept walking around and we started praying. Um, and after we prayed, we saw this guy sitting by himself um, on Cavill Avenue. Um, and we felt, hey, let's go have a chat with him. Um, so we sat down next to him. Um, and then he just, we're like, hey, we just want to have a conversation with you uh, about how life's going. And he just launched this, into this tirade about um, you know, all the stuff he's interested in, all this technological investments and cryptos. I don't know how many of you guys here know what that is. Um, but yeah, so it was very interesting. Um, but in the back of our minds, we're like, how are we going to change this into a gospel conversation? Because he just kept talking about the stuff he was interested in, which was interesting, but um, it didn't really have anything to do with the gospel. Um, and there were a few times where we almost got into a gospel conversation where we almost had a spiritual topic, and we're almost just ready to start it, and then he would suddenly change the topic again. Um, and so this happened a few times, and then we got to a point where we were sort of feeling maybe it's time to move on, um, but then all of a sudden these two um, ladies came up to us, um, and she said, um, hey, we felt like we should pray for you guys, and you guys seem like good boys, we looked at each other like, yeah, we are. Um, but anyway, we said yes, um, and then they got us to hold hands and pray. they prayed for us. Um, and it was at this point I felt like, you know, this could be a really good opportunity to start a conversation with uh, Jed. I forgot to mention his name was Jed. Um, so I turned to Lewis, and just for context, Lewis, this is Lewis's first time coming to school, even though it was his second night going out and I'm the leader and I'm supposed to show him the ropes. But I went, you know what, I reckon Lewis is ready. So I turned to him and I said, Lewis, I'm going to take this opportunity and you're going to just use this and turn this into a gospel conversation. I'm going to run up and chat with the ladies and just ask them to pray for us. So I didn't ask for his, I didn't wait for his response. I got up and left. Uh, said, Good luck, Lewis. Um, and I the ladies and said, hey, look, actually, uh, Lewis and I are both Christians. We're trying to share the gospel with him. Pray for us, which they're both happy to. Um, and then I got back to the table and whole vibe had changed. And I'll let Lewis tell the rest of the story. Um, yeah, so Paul gets up and he leaves, and I panic for a little bit. And we kind of, me and Joe are like staring at each other. Um, and I'm like, so, uh, what did you think of that? Yeah. And he's like, oh, um, I guess I'm Catholic now, right? And I was like, interested in you say that. Um, he mentioned a couple of other things throughout the conversation about like, getting to heaven and by, like doing um, rituals and like good deeds and stuff like that. So I was asking him about it, and in his mind, like that kind of prayer without, from what we gathered, any other knowledge of God would get him to heaven. And I was like, I'd love to share with you all about Christianity if you want to hear it. And he was surprisingly open. Like he was like, Yeah, no, of course. Like, what's up, Tenry? Um, so we have this little like app called the KGP, um, which kind of runs through all the points of the gospel. Um, so by that point, Paul had come back, right? Um, and we were kind of going through this app with him, um, and we just started having this conversation. And he was really like alert and connected, and he was just like asking questions, going back and forth, um, you know, about like sin and like um, you know how this Jesus' sacrifice works and all that. Um, and so we ended up going all the way through, and we got to, um, there's like this section on the app where it's got two circles. Um, one where it's like, it's like a throne in a circle and you're on it, and Jesus is kind of away off to the side, and one where Jesus is on the throne um, of your life, right? 
and we're like, which one do you want to be in? And he's like, kind of, you know, a bit hesitant, and he's like, oh, I would really like to be in the one um, where Jesus is on the throne. And we were like, incredible, um, cool. We were completely taken aback. Uh, yeah, we did not know what happened to start the conversation. Um, and so we were like, okay, sweet, we'll pray a prayer with you. Um, and then, you know, we ended up like kind of waiting for one of his mates to come over. And like we kind of walked for a bit down the street, um, kept chatting with him, and ended up giving his life to Jesus. encouraging so good when we see things as opportunities for God God moves we just heard those stories when we look at things not like the enormity of a challenge but this is an opportunity for God to do something God does God is faithful 
When we have faith, God responds. See, Mary, interestingly, she wasn't spared the ramifications, the consequences of what was to unfold. She wasn't miraculously protected from those things. A child out of wedlock, it was a stain on her name and her reputation. She was socially isolated and rejected. She goes to Bethlehem, this town that we go, wow, Bethlehem. Bethlehem was like, no, I won't say it's like a suburb of the Gold Coast because I might upset someone. But it's, it's the back blocks. It's the place that you don't really want to go. There's no reason to ever go there. And she's there and she turns up and not even Bethlehem has room for her. Not even Bethlehem says, yeah, come on in. She gives birth to a child in a cave in hay and animal manure. It's not quite as romantic as our nativity scenes. She had to flee then to a neighboring country because she was hunted down and murdered with a toddler. I don't know if you've ever traveled anywhere with a toddler. It's, that's hard work, let alone the fear of, of death looming over your shoulders. And then her husband gives up his family business in Galilee and doesn't get to go back to it for a long, long time. Where does their income come from? How do they survive? Mary was homeless. She was identityless. She was propertyless. She was communityless. She was familyless. And yet she had it all. She had it all. She abandoned her life to the grace of God. And while she lost everything, she gained everything in Christ. Because God transformed her challenge into an opportunity. In 1859, there was a man called Charles Blondin. And he was a French acrobat who was a master of the tightrope. One day he set up an event in uh, Canada, just outside of Montreal, of a uh, tightrope that went across the span of Niagara Falls. And he gained a big crowd and the reporters were there because there's no way he could possibly do it. And he did, he walked across this tightrope without falling off across the entirety of Niagara Falls and people went crazy. And he said, you think that's good, watch this. And he got a, a, a wheelbarrow and he put some cement in the wheelbarrow and he wheeled all the way back. People just went berserk. They're like, this is the greatest thing ever. And, what, and he says to the reporters that are there, he says, do you think I can do anything on a tightrope? And the reporter's are like, yes. And he says to one of them, all right, jump in the, the wheelbarrow. And let's go. And the guy goes, no, you know, no, I, I, I don't think so. And there's a guy in the crowd that actually goes, I, I believe you can, I'll jump in the wheelbarrow. And people are like on the edge of their seat, like what is going on? And so they start to bet on whether Blondin, with the man in the wheelbarrow, is going to fall off before he gets to the other side. And they're betting money on this as Blondin gets ready and he briefs the guy and they jump in the, he jumps in the wheelbarrow and he starts to push him. And he gets, gets halfway out and he's looking very successful. He's looking like he's just going to keep on cruising. There's no wobble. There's no, it's like, wow, compelling all the way across. And there's a guy who's put a lot of money on the fact that they're going to fall to their deaths, who realizes his money is about to fall into the, the, the river rather than Blondin. And so he cycles around to one of the guides and he starts to cut the guide and the guide rope snaps. No, not all the ropes, right? But the guide rope snaps, which all of a sudden makes this wire very like swaying in the breeze. And so out in the middle of the, the tightrope, you have Blondin with this man in a wheelbarrow. I don't know if you've ever pushed anything in a wheelbarrow. When you put a man in there or a person in there, it's double challenge on this for like 50, 100 meters. 
And so they start to, to freak out and the man in the wheelbarrow loses it and starts screaming, we're going to die. We're going to die. I can't believe it. We're going to die. And through all the craziness, Blondin speaks to him and commands him and says, we'll not die if you listen to me. He says, get out of the wheelbarrow right now. If you stay in it, you'll die. Get out. Hold on to me. And the man, I think, so shocked that Blondin gives it to him both barrels, gets out and takes hold of Blondin's um, shoulders. He says, now put your legs around me. Hold, hold me and I'll carry us through. The man's like, oh, he says, listen to me. Do what I say. And so, so the man clambers on. It would have looked a bit awkward. Clambers on the front of, of this French acrobat, who was very strong, as you can imagine. He'd done this his whole life. And he steadies himself. And once he's steady, he then walks step by step to the other side to safety. The man heard Blondin's words and decided to trust him. The man opted to leave the hopelessness of the challenge he was facing and he clung to Blondin. He abandoned himself to the grace of Blondin. He put his faith in Blondin and the challenge was transformed into an opportunity. I hope you see the work of Christ in that. Mary was in the same situation. So she believes the words of God. She chooses to believe in the face of this massive challenge. She clings to God. She understands that she is a servant of God and has a simple plea. God, let your words be fulfilled in my life. Words that abandon her, abandon us to the grace of God. Words which change every challenge into an opportunity. Some of you are facing really significant health prognosis. Or you have someone in your life who is facing a very significant health prognosis. Listen to the promises of God that he is offering you to change this challenge into an opportunity. Some of you are fearing what a merged church might look like. Listen to the promises of God that God is offering you to change this challenge into an opportunity. Some of you are fearful of our border opening up just before Christmas and what that means. Listen to the promises that God is offering you to change that challenge into an opportunity. Some of you turned up this morning and you're just downcast and beaten up and maybe nobody else knows. Listen to the promises of God that he is offering you to turn this challenge into an opportunity. Some of you don't know what direction to take after the next week or so. I don't know what to do, where to go, and you're asking those big questions. Listen to the promises of God that he is offering you to change this challenge into an opportunity. If you accept that you are God's servant, you can rest in his words, in his authority, in his peace, in his guidance, in his will, and no challenge can come against you that will defeat you. No challenge. Because God will transform that challenge into an opportunity through the power 
of his words. My prayer for you all today is that we hear God's words and we cling to them like our life depends on them and we will be carried forward regardless of the challenges that we face. So let's do that now. Let's just spend a few moments just listening for God. God, we are here today because we love you. We worship you. We want nothing more than to cling hold of you that you might carry us forward. And it's by your word that this takes place. And so we pray now, just speak to us. Turn that light on, Lord, so it doesn't look so dark anymore. Give us that map so we don't feel so lost. Be our compass that we might move forward. Be the rock upon which we stand. Lord God, we love you. I feel such a privilege that you would welcome us into your house to worship you that everything about our lives matters to you. That all the wounds we carry and the anxiety we have and the fear that creeps into our world that matters to you and you have died to disempower it. And so Lord, may your, may your death and your resurrection, the place that you occupy on the throne, may you occupy that in our lives, we pray now and always. Amen. Power to change. You're going to lead us in one last song as we conclude our time of worship this morning.